Let's all sing that first verse together. Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship one with another. Amen. all together now.
remain standing for a word of prayer. Good to have all of you here tonight. Uh, good to see Matt Benson here tonight. He's visiting us from Memphis, Tennessee. Looking more like Elvis than he did last time he left. Amen. Good to have Matt home. Matt, if you would, open us with a word of prayer, please. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Let's get us a songbook now, page 529. Your system doesn't have this one in it. We'll get it in there, though. 529, no, not one. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive her offering. 
And let me once again remind you that what you give on Wednesday night goes in support of our Bible conference. It's time to replenish our coffers, so we need you to start giving again. And uh, I appreciate all that you gave in the past year. We started uh, at the first of the year and only had like eight months, I guess nine months, uh, to uh, raise what we did. But you did great, and the Lord met the need. And this gives us a little extra, and it looks like, of course, we grew so much over last year and anticipate the next year. But everything you give now on Wednesday nights goes to take care of the Bible conference coming in next year. And uh, so I hope that you'll pray about giving. The Lord comes, uh, Rick and Mary Jo and Patty, they need money to help keep it going. Brother Tom will be here, and so we need to keep it going. But uh, you give, and I hope that you'll pray about maybe every week giving a certain amount or whatever there, because the more you give, the more we are able to do. But I appreciate all you have done, so let's pray and you give tonight. Father, thank you now for what you've done and for the great week that we had here week before last, and for the conference, and for the touch of God that was upon it, and for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for uh, the way you provided to meet the needs of the conference. We are amazed at the growth of the conference, how you've entrusted us with so much, but yet, Lord, you've used our people to meet the need, and we thank you so much. Now, fathers, we begin to get ready for next year. I pray you'll bless our giving on Wednesday night. May we get a burden for what it is given for, and... And I pray we'll give accordingly. So, Father, bless the offering tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. sometimes you go away from home and you come back it's always kind of nice to come back to home and I'm looking forward to one day when we'll all be able to go to our home in heaven some call it heaven but we call it home Saved by grace 
Praise the Lord. Let's open our Bible to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Glad to see Job feeling better. He's been battling with kidney stones and things over the past few weeks. And glad to see him feeling better. Ephesians chapter 6. A few weeks ago, I began to share with you a thought that I have called the posture of the Christian life. And we're taking that thought from three words that you find in the book of Ephesians. To me, these three words are the heart and soul of what the book of Ephesians is all about. And those three words, as we have noticed, is the word sit and the word walk and the word stand. Now, we've looked at two of those words, the word sit and word sit and walk. Tonight, we won't look at the third and the final word, and that is the word stand. Would you stand? And let's read... Just one verse from God's Word tonight. Ephesians chapter 6, and notice verse 11. Again, these are three words that describe 
the real message of the book of Ephesians. But we read in Ephesians 6 and verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Would you read that verse of scripture with me now? Ephesians 6 and verse 11. Let's read together. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Thank you. you. May be seated. And then we'll just kind of do a brief review and then look at the third and the final word tonight as we think about the posture of the Christian life. Our Father, as we come to you tonight, we want to thank you, Lord, for all that you have given us in Christ Jesus. We're mindful tonight of our blessings and our position in Christ and all that that position gives us. And we ask you tonight, Lord, to help us to learn to appreciate and to appropriate all that we have in the Lord Jesus. We're very much aware tonight, Lord, of our responsibility to our blessings and how we are to live and what our behavior and conduct is to be as a child of God. So may we live and walk in such a way that Christ will be honored and He will be magnified in our life. Teach us tonight, Lord, the need of standing. Help us, Lord, to realize that we do face an enemy and we have to stand. So open your word to us tonight. Give us a mind and a heart to comprehend the truth of God and we'll thank you and praise you for it is in Jesus' name we pray and for his sake we ask these things. Amen. Again, as I said, there are three words in the book of Ephesians that define the Christian life. These three words describe what the Christian life is all about. It is the word sit and the word walk and the word stand. And you find these three words and they really give us three divisions in the book of Ephesians. Let me just take you back now and let me just remind you of what we have noticed as we've considered the word sit and the word walk. In chapter 2 and verse 6 we, we read in the scriptures and we looked at where the Bible said he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We thought about, first of all, the blessings of the Christian life. And the word sit introduces us to our blessings in Christ. If you are saved, then I won't remind you tonight that you didn't get saved by walking. You get saved by sitting. Walking follows your sitting. Sitting is a matter of knowing Christ and is a position that we're in Christ and all that is afforded to us in that position. We thought about our blessings of the Christian life and we thought about three things. We thought about our riches in Christ. Ephesians 1.3 talks about we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. And Ephesians chapter 1 talks about the blessings that have been given to us as a believer. And then second of all, we thought about our redemption in Christ. And we thought about how we have been redeemed and how He had delivered us and how that work uh, was brought about in our life. And then we thought about our rest in Christ. Chapter 2, verse 6 talks about being seated with Christ, sitting with Christ. And the ideal of sitting is that we are resting in Him and that our salvation is not dependent upon what we do, but it depends upon what Christ has done. As I said a moment ago, some have the ideal that you become a Christian by walking. No, you become a Christian by sitting, by resting in Christ, and then the walk will follow. Well, that's the first word in the first division in the book of Ephesians, and that is the word sit, and it has to do with the blessings of the Christian life. Then the second word that we notice is the word walk. Chapter 2 and verse 10, we saw it used for the first time in Ephesians, and we saw how it's used several times. 
But the Bible said in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Not only do we find that we are seated with Christ, but we also find that as a believer, we are to walk because of our relationship, or there's a certain walk that we're to walk because of our relationship with Christ. As we thought about our walk, we thought about, second of all, the behavior of the Christian life. Not only our blessings, but our behavior. That is our conduct, how we are to live because we are a Christian. If you are a Christian, then it stands logically that we are to live as a Christian. And we thought about the walk and noticed several times it is used in Ephesians, and we thought about these three things. We thought, number one, we are to walk appropriately. We are to walk as children of light, not as children of darkness. We are to walk as sons of God. We are to walk a walk that is appropriate to our position in Christ. Second of all, we saw that we are to walk differently. Because we are a child of God and not a child of Satan, because we are children of life and light and not of darkness and death, then we are to walk differently. We are to walk appropriately. We are to walk differently. And then thirdly, we saw that we are to walk carefully, that we're to walk circumspectly, as the Bible said, Ephesians says, in this world. We're to guard our life and we're to be very cautious as we go through life. So the word sit has to do with the blessings of the Christian life. The word walk has to do with the behavior of the Christian life. Now the third word tonight is the word stand. We read it a moment ago in chapter 6 and verse 11 where it talked about putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. May I suggest thirdly that the word stand talks about the battles of the Christian life. There is not only the blessings of the Christian life, what we have been given in Christ, and the behavior of the Christian life, how we are to behave because of who we are, but thirdly, there are the battles of the Christian life. Verse 13, we have the word stand again. The Bible said, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Also in verse 14, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So these three words describe the Christian life. Sit, walk, stand. There's our blessings, there's our behavior, but there is our battles. And because we are involved in battles, then there is the need for standing. Now, as you read your Bible, if you were to take your concordance and just look up the word stand in the New Testament or just in the epistles of Paul alone, you'll find that the issue of standing is referred to and addressed many times in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13 says, Watch ye and stand fast in the faith, and quit ye like men, and be strong. In Philippians 4 and verse 1, Therefore, my brethren, beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. 2 Thessalonians 2, 15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast, and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. And I could go on and on and on. Over and over and over, the Bible talks about the matter of standing. That is, a child of God, we are to stand. Now, our text in Ephesians chapter 6 talks about standing in the battles. Standing in the battles of life. You see the word stand that is used there in verse 11, in verse 13, in verse 14? It is a word that simply means to hold your ground. 
When it tells us to stand in verse 11, it's telling us to hold our ground. In verse 13, when it tells us to stand, it's telling us to hold our ground. And the same thing in verse 14. The word carries the ideal of abiding. It carries the ideal of being established, of being very staunch. Now, when it talks about standing, it's talking about we are to abide in our life, or there's to be an abiding in our Christian life. And there is to be this establishing of our Christian life, being very staunch in our stand, not backing down, not giving up, not bending in any degree whatsoever, but standing, holding our ground. Now, I've said this before, put it this way before, but I want to remind you of it again. We as a believer tonight, we are not on a playground, but we are on a battleground. You as a child of God, you are involved in a spiritual battle. If you're not aware of this, then you're, you're just where Satan would have you to be. We are not on a playground, we're on a battleground. There is a spiritual enemy that we fight, and there is a spiritual warfare that we wage. You notice in chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now I'll say more about that in just a moment. But verse 12 reminds us that we are on a battleground, that there is an enemy that we are fighting, and there is a fight that we are fighting, and that we're involved in conflict. And because we're in this conflict, we are to stand. Now what kind of battle is it? you notice in verse 11, he said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You see the word wrestle? It's not an athletic term. When it is used on this particular occasion, and Paul many times used athletic analogies to illustrate some spiritual truth, but here he's not talking about an athletic event when he talks about wrestling. It's not like somebody is wrestling for a gold medal, such as going on in the Olympics right now or wrestling to win the victor's reef or whatever. No, the particular word that he used here describes a particular wrestling match in Romans, Roman times. And it was a very, very serious type of wrestling match. For example, during this particular wrestling match, each one of them would try to get his hands around the opponent's neck to get a stranglehold. And he would try to get that stranglehold in order to bring them to the ground, to cause them uh, to become weak and bring them to the ground. And when he get them to the ground, his objective was to pin their head and shoulders to the ground. And if he was able to pin the head and the shoulder of his opponent to the ground, then it meant the opponent had to die. Now, when Paul talked about wrestling here, he's not talking about a game where somebody's going to walk away with the silver and one's going to walk away with the gold. No, he's talking about a life and death situation here. He's talking about something very, very intense, something very, very serious. I remind you tonight that we are in a battle. And we are on a battlefield and we are fighting an enemy that wants to get a stranglehold on our life and wants to pin us to, pin us to the mat. He wants to destroy our lives. You see, there is a real battle. And there is a very severe battle. And we wage that battle every day. We wrestle against this evil one and all of his cohorts. So there is the battle of the Christian life. And understanding this, therefore stand. Hold your ground. Be firm, be entrenched, be staunch, be firm, be settled, and be established. I say all that to say three things about these battles. Are you with me now? Say amen. I want you to jot these three things down. 
I want to point out three things. Number one, I look at the text and I see our warfare. Let me say a word about our warfare. Again, I've just said that it's talking about a spiritual battleground. It's talking about a spiritual conflict. It's talking about spiritual warfare. Well, notice the text here, Ephesians 6. And let me just point out two things about our enemy. Let's look at our enemy for a moment. For one thing, you see the procedures of the enemy. You notice in verse 11, he said, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Or as I heard one preacher say one time, against the willies of the devil. Well, willies or wiles, whichever way you want to say it, against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles that is used there is a word that simply talks about methods or procedures. He's talking about how Satan works, the methods of Satan, the procedures of Satan, the tactics of Satan. The way Satan attacks our lives and the way that he fights us and the way that he attacks us. Mark your place and turn back to chapter 4 and verse 14 and to give you a little, bit, a little better understanding of the word wiles. Notice in chapter 4 and verse 14, notice this statement. He said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men, and notice this next phrase, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You see that two words, those two words, cunning craftiness that is used there? It's actually one word, and it's the same word translated wiles in our text in Ephesians 6, 11. When it talks about the wiles of the devil, it's talking about the methods or the tactics or the procedures of the devil. And the ideal is it's very, very cunning, that his methods are very, very sneaky, that his methods are very, very tricky, that Satan, his ways are very cunning. Let me give you one more reference to help you to understand. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and notice verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, you have another phrase that enlightens us a little bit to this word wiles. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3, the Bible said, But I fear, 2 Corinthians eleven three. 3, But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see the word subtility there? Same word. Same word translated wiles in Ephesians 6, 11. Same word translated cunning craftiness in Ephesians 4 and verse 14. The ideal again is of his procedures and of how Satan works and how he fights us and how he attacks us. He's a very sneaky individual. He's a very crafty individual. He is a very, very tricky individual. Now Satan may fight us by tempting us. He may fight us by tormenting us but he always fights us by tricking us. That's the way he works. That's his methods. That's his wiles. That's his procedures. Now, he fights us in many different ways. He could fight some through doubt. That may be the weak part of your life, and so he attacks you by making, by making you doubt. He may fight you through distraction, getting your eyes off of Christ and getting your eyes on everything else, becoming so focused in this world and on this world that you lose sight of eternal things. He may fight you through distraction. He may fight you through discouragement, getting you down and causing you to be discouraged. He may fight you by defiling you. 
And you could go on and on and on and on. But Satan's methods, his procedures, they are very cunning, very tricky, and very, very sneaky. But not only do you see a word about the procedures of our enemy, but you see a word about the power of our enemy. Look at verse 12. The Bible said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now you notice there the word against is used there many, several times. He t tells us first of all in verse 12 that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood. He wants us to know at the very beginning this is not a human enemy that we have. We're not fighting. It's not our enemy. It's not one another. That's not our enemy. It's not the fellow beside us or the church next door or the neighbor next door. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against. And you see every time that he names something, he uses the word against, which indicates that he's separating each one of these, each one of these categories. And of course, in verse 12, we find that Satan is not working alone. Now, we know that Satan is very cunning in the way that he attacks us. Very crafty, very sneaky, very tricky. But you find the power of the enemy when you realize he's not working alone. But he has a mighty army that is with him and what he is trying to do. Again, you have these categories here. He talks about principalities and powers. And the idea behind the principalities and powers here, all these are talking about demons, but the ideal is that there are ranks of demons. It'd be like there is a lieutenant demon, and there is a captain demon, and there is a, a general demon, and so on, a colonel and general, and so on like that. There are ranks of demons, and they're very, very organized in what they're doing. Talks about the rulers of the darkness of this world, indicating they're a very dominating force in this world. That these world, as First John said, the whole world lieth in the lap of the wicked one. Satan and demons are a dominating and a very dark force in the world that we live. And against spiritual wickedness in high places. How he is totally dominating our society and dominating all of that that goes on around us. He's not only a dominating force in this world, but he's dominating through those who even rule this world. It's like he not only has his demons, but he has certain ones he puts in certain places like this. Now all of this is talking about the power of our enemy. All of these things indicate that they are united in their purpose and they're highly organized in their task. I want you to understand something. You are not warring against a novice. You are fighting a battle every day and you are fighting an enemy that is very, very skillful in what they do. And you're fighting an enemy that is well organized with the objective of strangling you and destroying you. We're not just fighting some little weak imp out there. We are fighting Satan and all of his demons that are highly organized and they're together and united together in their task. And that task is to defeat us and discourage us and defile us and destroy us and our reputation for Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something. You are in a spiritual warfare. I am in a spiritual warfare. And there is a highly organized system around us that is bent on our destruction. But look at something else in the text. Not only do you see something about our warfare, our enemy, his methods, and his power, but in verse 11 you find what I want to call our wardrobe, or the Bible here talks about our armor. That which we 
put on in this warfare. Verse 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Now I'm not going to look at every one of those pieces of armor, our spiritual war robe uh, tonight. I, several years ago, in fact, when I first came here, I preached all the way through uh, this spiritual armor and different things and and we'll do it again here one of these days. But there are several things. It talks about our loins be girt, being girt with truth. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel. Our shield of faith. Our helmet of salvation. It's talking about our spiritual wardrobe. Our armor that we're to put on. Now let me point out two things about this armor. Notice in verse 11 that it is a divine armor to wear. Look at it carefully. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. And all this is telling us to wear. I want you to understand something. That it is a divine armor. That it is something that it is of God, the Bible said. Put on the whole armor of God. You see that armor that we have, this protective armor. And that which is to protect us. And these are defensive pictures that are described in Ephesians chapter 6. Not offensive. But it's holding your ground. There's the idea of being defensive, standing and not giving way to the attacks of the devil. And you'll find that he gives us this armor to wear that we might be able to stand. It is a divine armor. It is God's provision to stand. Now, I want you to understand something tonight. We are in a battle. And Satan is wanting to defeat every one of us. But I want you to understand something tonight. Even though he is highly, highly mobilized, and even though he is very clever in fighting us, I want you to understand tonight, God has given us the resources to be able to stand. This is a divine armor. This is something God has given to us. Look at verse 10 again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You don't overcome the devil in your own strength and ability. That's why Timothy, Paul said, Timothy, flee, literally scratch off. Flee youthful temptations. Run from, we don't have the ability to withstand. We don't have the ability to stand in this battle. But God gives us his provision, his protective provision to help us to be able to stand in the battles of life. It is a divine armor of life. You mark this down. I can mark it down in my life. You can mark it down in yours. Whenever there is failure, whenever there is failure and whenever there is failure, it is always due to our lack of not availing ourselves of the armor that God has given us. It is not availing ourselves of the divine provisions to stand. We need divine help in this battle. Ken Trivet can't fight this battle. You can't fight this battle. The enemy's too big for me and the enemy's too big for you. But my God's even bigger. And so we avail ourselves of his provision. Look at verse 11. Not only is it divine armor to wear, but it is a daily armor to wear. And I get daily out of one phrase. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. See those words, put on? The ideal is of, of an individual dressing himself at the beginning of a day. Every individual, they go to bed at night, and when they get up in the morning, they put on their clothing. Most individuals change every day. I've met one or two that maybe change once a month, but most individuals change daily. 
And he put on the armor of God. Like someone get up in the morning and putting on their clothing to go out into the world. It is a daily armor that we wear. I want you to understand something. God has given us the provision to stand. There is an enemy, and our enemy is real, and he's looking for a chance to get a stranglehold on any one of us. And if we give him an inch, he'll take a mile. And he wants to pin us to the mat and literally destroy our testimony for Christ. But there is a divine provision God has given us, and it is an armor that we have got to put on every single day of our lives. You can't go spiritually naked in this world and not and expect to be a winner in the Christian life. you got to stand. And the only way you can stand is by putting on the armor of God every day. But look at the third and the final thing. Not only do I see a word here about our warfare, the procedures of our enemy, and the power of our enemy, and our wardrobe, how it's a divine armor that's been given and a daily armor that we've got to wear, but I see something about our weapons for you see not only does he give us a wardrobe or armor to wear that divinely equips us but he also provides the weapons to defend ourselves against our enemy and i find as i look at the scripture there are two weapons that he uses look in verse 17 the first one i see is this the word of god the word of god verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When it's called the sword of the Spirit, the ideal is the sword that the Holy Spirit has given us. Now listen, God has given you an armor. He's given you provisions to be able to stand in the battles of life. And the Holy Spirit has given you a sword. How many of you got your Bibles with you tonight? Would you hold your Bible up? There's your sword. We often talk about our sword. The Bible is our sword. It is a weapon that God has given us. You remember how Jesus defeated the devil? On the Mount of Temptation, you remember how Jesus defeated the devil? He defeated him by three and three times, and each time you'll find that Jesus said, to him, said something to him, and then he said, It is written. Look at it. Every time he defeated him, he defeated him by the word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. You see, Jesus defeated the devil by the word of God. We defeat the devil by the word of God. Now, how do we defeat the devil by the word of God? Look at something interesting here. You notice here that he calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. You see the word sword that is used there? You find as you study the Bible, there are two particular words that are used or translated sword in our Bible. Sometimes the word sword has reference to the big broad edge sword. Like where you grip the handle with two hands and the big wide blade and the long blade three or four foot long. And you go into battle and you're whacking away and cutting heads off and arms off and things like that. Good things, you know what I'm talking about. And a big broad edge sword. Sometimes the word used for sword in the Bible talks about that uh, kind of sword that you would put in a sheath or a scabbard that would be at your side. You'd hold with one hand. It was a sword, a knife that we might say to be used in hand-to-hand combat. The particular word that is used here refers to small sword. That thing that's kind of sword, it's not where you're just welling away, cutting off heads and whatever as you go. 
But it's where you are entangled one-on-one. And you have this hand sword and you're in hand-to-hand combat. Notice something else and connect these two together. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You see the word? Word. There are many words in the Bible translated word. Like in the beginning, John, John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's a word that logos. And I'm talking about communicating, expressing ourselves. Like in the beginning was the Word. God expressed Himself in Jesus Christ. He communicated to us in Jesus Christ. But the word translated word here is an altogether different word. It is a word that speaks of a specific statement. Now this is interesting to me. He's talking about the sword of the Spirit, which is specific statements of God. Now how do you fight the devil? It's not that you get your Bible up like a big broad two-edged sword and you start slapping the devil on the side of the head and saying, the Bible, and I'm going to kill you with the Bible and whatever. No, you win in the battle by knowing your Bible and then be able to take certain truths and certain promises and specific statements of the Word of God and applying them to your particular situation and sword that you have to use carefully. You have to aim. You have to direct in order to bring your enemy down. It's like when you are faced, if you're faced with doubt, you take statements from the Word of God such as, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. That becomes your sword in battle. And you come to Satan and you say, he tells you, you may not be saved, but you say, but I have believed on the name of the Son of God. You cut his head off with the statement or a promise. When you're being tempted, you take such statements from the Bible like that he hath a temptation that he always makes a way of escape. And you take that and you look for your way of escape. It's whatever situation you're in, you are able to take the Word of God and apply it to that particular battle. That's your weapon to overcome the enemy. And every day, some of the battles you fight during a day may not be the battles I fight. And maybe the battles I fight may not be some of the battles you fight. But I don't care what the battle might be out there. There is something in God's Word that we can use as a sword to fight our enemy with. you believe that? It's the Word of God, the weapons that we use. And use the Bible. That's why you need to learn the Bible and read the Bible and study the Bible and grow in the Word of God so you can take the Word of God and use it. Sunday night we'll be talking about the matter of meditation. I'll say more about it then, but meditating on the Word. Letting the Word get in you so you have it in you to use when you face the enemy. But look at the second weapon that he gives us. Not only does he give us the weapon being the Word of God, second of all, I would call the throne of God. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He's not only giving you the Word of God, but He's giving you the throne of God. He talks about praying always. How do you win in life? In fact, I'll say this. When we find ourselves being overcome, you can trace it down to two things. We are not availing ourselves of God's provision to overcome. And second of all, you mark it down. You hadn't, we hadn't been praying. When I 
become weak in my prayer life, I become weak in my Christian life. One of the weapons God has given you to win is the throne of God. I would say to you tonight, seek the face of God and stay at the feet of God. You are in a battle. I am in a battle. And there's an enemy out there that wants me and there's an enemy that wants you. There's an enemy there that wants to uh, strangle us and pin us to the mat and discard us as a has-been of yesterday. There is a serious battle that we are waging. And if we do not stand in the power of His might, in the power of the Lord and clothe ourselves of His divine provision and use His word and seek His face and stay at the feet of our Lord, we'll become a casualty in this battle. Here's our tools Seek the face of God. Stay at the feet of God, praying always. Get your prayer sheet. Let's look at it tonight. It is the posture of the Christian life. Because you are in Christ, seated in heavenly places, therefore, you ought to walk accordingly. And if you walk the way you ought to walk, then... Friend, you're going to fight a battle. Being a Christian, we get the idea, man, the older I get, the easier it'll get. And the longer I'm saved, the easier it's going to get. No, it gets harder. And the more you walk the way you ought to walk, the more the enemy's going to fight you. But God has given you resources. And one of them is prayer. We want to pray tonight. I have several things to pray for. Our missionaries of the week. It's Terry and Kay Jones. Terry has been here many times, a blessing to this church, and he'll be with us in November, uh, one particular Wednesday night. But we want to remember Terry and Kay serving in Costa Rica. Several years ago when we took a group down, uh, we visited his church, and a real blessing. We want to remember them. Our church of the week is Gateway Baptist Church in Bristol, Tennessee, Brother Steve Wagers. And there are some very, very special needs there tonight. We want to lift this church, this preacher up in a very, very special way. Our hospital list in Huntsville Hospital, we have Juanita Warnick, and Juanita, they had to put her on a pain pump uh, last week, and she is not doing well. Memorial Hospital, Forrest Ballard, this is Ray Eli's uncle. Then a special request given to me tonight for a Becky Bruce. She'll be having surgery tomorrow. So this is Ed and Mary's daughter-in-law, I believe it is. So I want to remember Becky. All of you will. Let's come just gather around the altar. I want you to come tonight, and when you do, as I always challenge you to do, these are three things. There are three things I ask you to do on Wednesday night in your prayer time. One, to pray for our missionary of the week. Two, to pray for our church of the week. And then thirdly, to ask the Spirit of God, the Lord, to work into your heart the truth of His Word. We are in a battle. Don't become a casualty. Don't become a victim of this highly organized and powerful enemy that we have. You don't have to. If you'll stand in the Lord, you can overcome. Stand. Hold your ground. Let's all come. Gather around the altar. And let's pray together tonight. Let's pray for Sunday. Let's pray the Lord to bless. Pray that God continue to move in this place and continue to work. And to open our hearts to all the things that God's doing. Pray for the faith teams that go out tomorrow night. The back classes had to miss a week. We doubled up one week before the conference. And back tomorrow night, our faith team's going out. Remember them and all of those that are in our second semester of faith. And all the things going on, the Awana that's been going on tonight, the young people, and many different things. Let's remember all these and uh, let's pray for them tonight. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, 
We realize tonight that prayer is not only a privilege, but we realize tonight that prayer is a necessity. And Father, we come tonight and we thank you for the privilege to pray that you've given us the opportunity to pray through the blood of Jesus Christ. You've made it possible for us to pray. But Father, we come tonight with the awareness that we must pray. And Father, it's part of our divine equipment. It's part of the weapons that you have given us, Lord, to be able to stand. And so, Father, we come tonight to pray. And we pray tonight, Lord, for Terry Jones and his work in Costa Rica. We thank you for Terry. Thank you for his faithfulness. Thank you for the years he has served there. We pray for his work in Costa Rica. We ask you to bless him while he's home on deputation. Provide any need that he may have. But, Lord, bless the work of God in Costa Rica. Thank you for so many of our church family that is serving there, Andy and Diane and Bill and Cindy, and so many dear friends that we have there. I pray you just bless the work of God in Costa Rica. But we pray specifically tonight for Terry Jones, that you bless him, his family, and his work. We pray tonight, Lord, for our Church of the Week. We pray for Gateway Baptist. We pray for Brother Steve. God, you know the needs there tonight. I pray you'd be with that people. I pray you'd be Brother Steve. I pray, dear God, that you'd be Lord in that situation. And I pray you'll move. We pray tonight, Lord, for our hospital list. And we pray for each one involved that, God, you'd touch. And pray, Lord, that you'd bless. Father, for the many that are on our shut-in list, we pray for them. We pray you would work. Father, thank you for what you've been doing in the fall, for how you've blessed in so many ways. I ask you, God, to continue to bless and continue to move and just glorify the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to stay out of the picture. Just let you be Lord of the whole things. Let us follow you. And Father, help us because we are seated with you to walk as we ought to walk and to stand as we ought to stand. So give us all that we need. You have provided that. Lord, in these days, help us to and begin to enjoy our victory in Christ and to live in Canaan as you would have us to do. I pray, Lord, you bless all the things that are going on. May this always be a place where we are built up as we come, the Spirit of God as it moves in the services, the Word of God as it is shared. May it constantly be a place where we are equipped and we are built up in our faith to better serve God. So all these needs tonight, we pray you touch us and fill us with the Holy Spirit. Give us a heart for you. As the old song says, tune our hearts to sing thy grace. And we'll thank you and praise you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. and Be back on Sunday. Bring someone with you. Let's come back trusting the Lord for a great day. Be sure to speak to Matt. Let him know how glad we are to have him back. And you're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave.